Welcome to the 3D Podcast. My name is Sean Coleman, a regular co-host Justin Lewis. Uh, uh, winding down with his summer commitments, he will be back with us um, as we get towards uh, the, the, the later on in August, uh, the middle part of August. But we are very excited to have Miss Jordan Peters uh, with us today. Jordan is one of the new writers over at Grizzly Bear Blues. While she's new to Grizzly Bear Blues, she does have an extensive background in writing and just a very vibrant personality when it comes to her writing and, you know, just interacting with her. Jordan, how are you doing tonight, ma'am? I'm doing so well. How are you? I can, I'm not cannot complain at all. Looking forward to talking with you and, and talking Grizzlies basketball. Um, so I, I kind of had asked you off, um, uh, you know, before we got the recording, but you had such a good answer. I just want to, you know, I'll ask again. You obviously have come in as a new writer with Grizzly Bear Blues, but you your writing career certainly has has been in the making for years. What made you interested in joining Grizzly Bear Blues, and in general, what what brings you so much joy as a writer? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's something that I've always liked to do in lots of different contexts just because I have a lot of interest. But um, first and foremost, wanted to write for Grizzly Bear Blues because it sounded like a lot of fun. Um, occasionally on my own blogs, I would intersperse a little bit of sports, um, you know, Grizzly stuff in there. But it's kind of a new and welcome challenge to be able to write more formally on uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, especially because it's a team I've followed for a very long time. Excellent. And, and as we, you know, have discussed in different forms and things like that, it's an exciting time uh, to, to follow with them. And, and, and so I wanted to kind of ask you this question. Now, if I'm correct, your, your writing background it, while it has touched on many different subjects, fashion has been a pretty consistent subject in your writing background. Is that correct? Absolutely. And that is due in no part to any formal fashion training or expertise. It is just sincerely, um, you know, a passion and an interest. So it was something that could kind of work the creative side of my brain while I was in law school. And that's where it all started. That, that's actually pretty cool. It seems like it, you, I have had some friends in law school. They've all stated that you needed to have avenues to take your mind off of the stuff that you learn. So that's a pretty creative way of getting it done. I will, <laughs> I've, yes, I fullheartedly endorse uh, finding some <laughs> things that are a good outlet, good stress relief. So the thing I will ask is this, do you see any similarities in your experience writing about sports and writing about fashion? Is there any similarities with your approach towards writing about both subjects? Um, not necessarily. Uh, speaking speaking in terms of what I know, um, staying in my lane, not being afraid to kind of um, have a take that might be out there, but a different on it, you know, looking at it through a lens um, that may be just a little bit different. I think the one thing that I thought might be a bit of a challenge when I started writing with Grizzly Bear Blues was how do you, um, you know, take content that's probably been reiterated in lots of different ways and have it be original? How do you consume so much information in the sports world and have it be original? Um, so I will say the similarity between fashion and sports and anything is that anybody can write about, you know, a pair of shoes, anybody can write about, um, you know, a, a rebuild, but nobody's written about a rebuild from, from my perspective. And so I feel like I can offer 
something unique there, even though it's probably been discussed ever since we knew that the core four were going and um, we were getting some of these new, fresh, young, talented athletes. So let's talk about something that you do have experience with. And I think that it combines both, you know, as, as a, someone who writes about fashion in the past, you know, you um, you have to have a pulse on, on public perception and things like that. Well, obviously you're a fan of the Grizzlies and you seem to have a very good pulse of kind of how the fan, you know, perspective of things are, you know, especially with your latest piece through Grizzly Bear Blues. What is your perception? How has how have you seen your feelings as a fan and as now as someone who analyzes the Grizzlies, how have you seen your feelings change over the past few months? And are you surprised that they probably have changed so quickly and so drastically? Yes. I'll be the first to admit to you that um it has been a heart and head shift for me. Um, <laughs> I endeared to so many of the Grizzly player personalities um, first and foremost, and then have to dial it back with actual data and facts and those types of things. So uh, being able to say goodbye and part ways with um, people that I thought gave Memphis the city uh, by way of the Grizzlies an identity, a positive momentum, an energy, uh, it's something to talk about. Um, it was hard to digest the fact that that was over and anticipate that anything as exciting could come along. So being able to, you know, feed off of the enthusiasm of folks who had followed Jaron Jackson Jr. or John Morant and, and kind of gather through listening to people who are subject matter experts in college games and things like that about, you know, giving us reasons to be excited, coupled with the fact that, you know, on the business side and the coaching side, they were willing to make some sweeping changes. You know, it really was something that I could buy into and listen to with facts um, and kind of take my emotion out of it. So it's kind of been this interplay of, okay, Jordan, it's exciting to be enthusiastic about these things, but, you know, personalities aside, we want to know, you know, what is it that's going to get us these wins? Because ultimately that's probably more fun than anything else. I do agree with you. Winning certainly is, um, you know, the, the most important thing at the end of the day. I mean, you know, we've gone over two years now, you know, with uh, uh, with, you know, it just seems like that we were just kind of sputtering out of control or that we really weren't going anywhere. It didn't seem really that we, you know, were um, going into direction. You know, did you did you feel frustration? Did, did, did you just get to the point to where over, the, you know, at some point over the past two years where you were just like, what are we doing? This is such a contrast. I'm not saying that you lost hope, but did you in the back of your mind or anywhere expect for this quick of a turnaround for the franchise from where we were even six months ago? No, <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't expect it at all. Um, and it was one of those things where, you know, I would hear, you know, folks like Joel and B talking about trust in the process. And I was like, what process is this? And in, in, in my modern grizzly watching times, I only knew success and, uh, you know, exceeding expectations that were set for us. And so when I thought, you know, we're going to lose some of our key veteran talent, I don't know if you were going to get because we've had such a crummy track record in the draft. Um, you know, it was one of those things that felt hopeless. I couldn't see the turnaround and I thought, okay, how long 
can a basketball fan base in a city that's a basketball city be patient enough to let the Grizzlies find themselves again? And then I didn't have to. Um, you know, there was so much excitement around these new players um, that I'm almost more excited to watch it build into something than I would be if I could snap my fingers and just have, you know, these players that have just been groomed from the beginning to be wonderful. Um, I want to see how it all manifests itself. I want to see how it grows. I want to see how it comes together. And that's something that despite the record at the end of the next season, it's going to be an exciting process. And you mentioned the energy that was there, you know, when we were looking at the grit and grind area, you know, the connection that those players had with the city. It's what made Memphis special. But you just said it yourself. The one thing that's changed now is that we we see that we can have the talent in place to make this successful. But that's on the court, which we'll get to in a minute. But you mentioned, again, energy. I think that one of the things that is going to keep fans engaged besides probably our struggles next season, you know, we're going to struggle for a few years. But one thing that will keep fan in, fans engaged is the personalities that these players possess as well. We've seen John Jaron on Twitter going back and forth, just the camaraderie, the brotherhood that's grown, also Brandon Clark. Do you feel that the personality of these players off the court carries a lot of value as well in terms of keeping the fans engaged and really making Memphis get back to where, you know, we were looked at as one of the more, a beloved fan bases in you know the sporting world? Yes, I think it's easier to buy into a brand when the face of your franchise has a smile as big as Jaron Jackson Jr.'s um, and the humility that he seems to cloak himself with. And the fact that it's, you know, I didn't feel like I just met Jaron in a vacuum. I felt like I suddenly knew his mom and I knew his dad and that they'd been here, you know, my whole life. It was just kind of a quick and easy um, family to fall in love with. And yeah, I think that that, you know, pays real dividends with um, a town like ours that pays very close attention to obviously the on the court product, but how you would represent the city um, in the media uh, in good times and in bad times, because certainly we will have our fair share of, of each. So, Jordan, let's talk about, you know, that brand that you mentioned. Obviously, you know, the brand off the court is the personalities of these players. But this is a, a while a very talented, a very raw team, you know, the, their their identity, what makes them successful could go a variety of ways. When you look at the talents that the Grizzlies have right now, what way do you hope they go? What what would be, if it, if it were, if it were up to Jordan, what do you think the best avenue for this team to take would be offensively, defensively? What do you think is going to bring the most success in time? Listen, I can only speculate, and I know that the basketball experts will, will probably quibble with me on this, and I don't want it to be a cop-out answer. My true thought is if you can get those players with versatility that can do both, that when they are, um, when we are on offense, that they can command double team on the perimeter, and then you can have a big guy that can go down and, you know, do an easy layup. Uh, I would love to have that because I see it with other teams a lot of times, and I say, oh, that must be nice. Um, you know, and I thought for a while that being a defensive identity team was everything, and it it was great, but watching the rest of the team have success doing something different um it felt like selling out at first but 
now it feels like something that I have to just, you know, realize is the way that it's going. And so I would love to get these players that can do both very, very well. Um, and I think that seems to be what I'm hearing people saying is that players are not necessarily playing one particular position, but they're finding ones that can handle the ball and then go switch and do something different, um, having multiple people that are capable of doing that. And um, so I think if we stay on trend with the way that you know, basketball's going and recruiting is going, then we will kind of fit the bill of where the rest of the NBA is going. Maybe not to the extreme of the the most heavily analytic teams like the Rockets or anything like that, but still adding a dash more of that type of thing cannot be bad. So then again, getting back to the fan perspective, um, you know, I, I think that's something that you're naturally going to see is obviously with, um, you know, Mike having a direct impact on, um, you know, we basically have gotten a new point guard, new post player right after we saw Mike and Mark leave. Jordan, do you, do you see yourself potentially judging the success, judging your opinion of the success of John and Jaron based off how they compare to Mike and Mark? Do, do, do you feel that that's unfair? Do, do you see fans like, com- not necessarily their games, but, just being like, you know, well, Jaw, I, I think that he, you know, is 80% of Mike and Jaron is 80% of Mark. Do you feel fans are going to compare, are going to compare Jaron and Jaw to Mike and Mark? Do you feel that's fair? Or do you think that people are going to be able to separate and realize that was a past era? This is the present era. Do you see that comparison maybe happening too much? Or do you see that fans are going to be able to easily separate it in time? I, you know, I think there's going to be a mixed bag. I think that there are going to be people um, that were probably like I am that are going to have a hard time letting go of, of the glory days. And whether or not they can help it, they're going to make these comparisons. And um, I can simultaneously say, to answer your question, that I don't think it's altogether fair. No, I think that these um, young new athletes, deserve to um, win our affections and our attention and all of that in their own right. Um, I think that they have, you know, obviously earned the successes they've had thus far and that we need to be open-minded and all of the, um, you know, all of the energy that we brought to the core four, we need to give that same loyalty and same grace to these young folks who are going to, you know, they're going to have some growing pains. And I think that we have to realize that. Um, And I think we forget that, you know, Mike had to go through it too. And Mark wasn't always who Mark was. And all of these things, we have to keep that in perspective when we're dealing with folks that are, you know, um, in their, I believe, early 20s, (laughs) if not younger. Um, So I think it's good and healthy to hold them to, their own standard and let them earn things in their own right and not have to live in the shadows of, of uh, Mike and Mark. And again, we're here with the Jordan. Um, one more time, Peters, Peterson. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm always bad. Yeah, after it's, the, it's time Peterson. I get after the yeah. My writing yeah. in the last shortened it. So it's probably a little confusing. 
I, that's that's probably the reason why. Jordan Peterson, again, from Grizzly Bear Blues, has joined us. And, and Jordan, one last thing I wanted to get your opinion on, obviously, was the recent news that came out. Um, I believe I've got her name right, Niall Ivey. Um, she is currently a coach over at Notre Dame. But now, there does appear to be strong interest from the Grizzlies. Gary Parrish reported it on Twitter that the Grizzlies could potentially hire her as an assistant coach. Obviously, this is a trend that we're continuing to see in an NBA. We certainly, you know, uh, it seems like, you know, in in the right, in what is the right mindset, um, you know, the continuing advancement of, you know, um, women's involvement in the sport, you know, seeing them getting into the coaching ranks. Your thought on that and, and your thought on the Grizzlies, you know, really, you know, taking a chance to advance the cause for the franchise and as well as the league uh, by potentially uh, uh, hiring a, a young lady to be on the coaching staff. I am proud. Um, I, when I first heard that, you know, first you want to go dive in and figure out everything you can about this person. I haven't, you know, really taken the deep dive on her specifically, but I've heard great things when I was listening to uh, Gary's radio show. Um, But just for diversity purposes on the coaching staff, I think that it is such an important thing because whether it's a female fan base or um, women who are sort of closeted aspiring journalists or women who they love sports and they want to talk about it, but there's this um, this trepidation to step into an arena that has been traditionally male-dominated just for fear of looking stupid or fear of being criticized or something like that because that world, that market doesn't look like you. To have folks like that at the NBA level and in our city that is a basketball city, and you better believe that there are way more female listeners, blog readers, Grizzly fans out there than probably people realize, it is huge to see a woman on the sidelines helping guide this team. I think that it is so amazing and I can't wait, you know, if this all pans out the way it sounds like it might, um, to see it all come to fruition. And and, and and I'll end with this. I will say that that is one I, – that's one thing that you notice on Twitter, Facebook, whatever it may be. There is a very strong and vocal um, part of the Grizzlies fan base that, that are women. And it seems like that they're empowered. Obviously, they are. But are, are you happy with, with how that part of the fan base has grown, how it's represented, and how the city, you know, the fan base, the, the entire fan base in the Grizzlies franchise – do you feel they do a good job of empowering, you know, the, the female fanhood, for lack of a better way of putting it? But do you do you feel like that the, the the Grizzlies, the part of the Grizzlies fan base that continues to rise in terms of females, are you proud of the representation that's there? And, and do you think it'll continue to grow in time? Absolutely, I am proud of it. Um, you know, I remember from years ago, oh, Bongo Lady. I mean, <laughs> to me, she became iconic, um, and just different. Um, you know, you would see parents, I've been a season ticket holder for a while, so you see people on the jumbotrons, you see, um, you know, folks being interviewed, I sit next to people, um, you know, sometimes new people each season, and the women in the FedEx forum are yelling and involved and enthusiastic and have a very strong basketball IQ. I would never discount or underestimate the the female fan base for the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I am proud of the representation that that women in basketball 
fan base have here. Um, obviously, I expect it only to grow. I'm really heartened when I see it happening with, you know, people that are in high school and going up through college and really deciding, is this a place where, you know, if I'm passionate about this or I grew up watching this team, do I have a career in this area? And just seeing that there's um, large representation of, of female fans and females that are conversant and talking about basketball in the city and what it means to the city. I mean, I think it will only inspire people to be all the more vocal about um, their support of the Memphis Grizzlies. And that's the thing I think that is such an enduring quality of the city of Memphis with the love of basketball that's there. Doesn't matter what gender you are, what walk of life you come from, things like that. You know, the love of basketball is something that connects a lot of people. And I think at the end of the day, brings a lot of positive, you know, light. You know, it's a point of interaction, point of communication. Just it's the subject that a lot of people can be happy about. And I think that makes a big difference. Wouldn't you agree? You're, you're absolutely right. Well, Jordan, I can't thank you enough. It, it's been an absolute pleasure. This, uh, this, yeah, I expected for this to be a good conversation. It exceeded my expectations. I would love the chance to have you on again. One thing I did want to ask before we, um, uh, in this portion of the 3D podcast, just a chance for people to be able to communicate with you, to, uh, to connect with you, where, where they can find you on social media and things such as that. Oh, yeah, I'm all over the place. So um, mostly Grizzlies-related stuff would be on Twitter. So Jordan P underscore 901 is me. Um, I am not Jordan Peterson, the Canadian author. I am not male. You can tell from my icon. So sometimes I get a few people not quite sure. Um, so if you I think Taylor Jordan Jenkins had the same problem, if I'm correct. <laughs> I think I think people thought he was an author, too. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I get stuff in my DMs sometimes that'll be like, I really liked your uh, piece on this political topic. I was like, oh, man, that's the guy in Canada. That's not me. <laughs> um, so, yes, um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm public in all of that. So if anyone wanted to follow me on um, Instagram, it is, what is my, oh, goodness. I don't have it up and I don't have it uh, memorized, but if you just typed in Jordan Peterson and Instagram or Facebook, then um, you would certainly be able to find me. We'll make sure that when we get the podcast up and certainly connect with you on Twitter, uh, maybe that's a good time to where we can uh, uh, have people be able to connect with you. Jordan cannot thank you enough. Hold on just one second after uh, we're done with this recording um, uh, before you head out. But again, for Jordan Peterson, my name is Sean Coleman. This is the first segment of this edition of the 3 and D podcast. We'll be right back with you with part two uh, here on the 3 and D podcast. Welcome back to the 3D Podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. This is part two of this edition of the 3D Podcast. The reason why uh, we have two parts is just like we did in the first part with Miss Jordan Peterson. We want to introduce a new writer at Grizzly Bear Blues. And just like Jordan, he's new to Grizzly Bear Blues, but very experienced in his history writing about the Grizzlies. Mr. Brandon Smart, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm, I'm doing great. How are you, Sean? Doing well, doing well. Holding it down in West Tennessee, I take it, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. As always. Yeah. <laughs> There's not much else to do in West Tennessee, to be honest with you. Uh, me and Brandon were just... Yeah, yeah, this is very true. This is very true. 
Brandon and I uh, were just uh, just uh, talking about how uh, we we didn't grow up grow up too far from each other um, in West Tennessee, but uh, no one really cares about my history. Let's get into yours a little bit, Brandon. So obviously, you are a new member. It, it's a pleasure to talk with you. You have had a, I believe a, a piece or two out. Actually, I believe this may have been your your debut piece um, today. We'll get into that in a second. Just a little bit about you. I know that you have some history writing about the Grizzlies. Um, what has been your history, and where can people find you in, in terms of interacting with you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter um, at, at bsmart21, um, B-S-M-A-R-T-21. Um, I've covered the Grizzlies for the last five years for several different websites. Uh, started at uh, blue3worldorder.com. I'm sure you've heard of Anthony saying. Um, oh, yeah. He put me on to this little writing thing, yeah. Yeah, he was my first editor, and from there on, it's been uh, – I went to Beale Street Bears. Um, I was the site manager over there with uh, – my co-expert over there was Christian Dudley. Um, we re- really helped each other out, and I feel like that's where I hit my peak. And now I'm really starting to – you know, I've watched Joe Mullinex for years. I've followed Joe Mullinex and Grizzly Bear Blues. To be a part of this team, it, it, it is absolutely an awesome – it's almost surreal. So – to say the last week has been absolutely amazing, it, it really has. Nobody is certainly denying Joe's effort and success. When it comes to the Grizzlies, his fandom is certainly um, appreciated and enjoyed. However, when it comes to other things, his Washington fandom, we won't talk about that too much. By the way, Joe, uh, if you're listening. I don't want to talk about that. Hey, hey, if he, if he wants to talk about the Nationals, go Braves. But we'll save that for another time. But, no, you are <laughs> correct. Uh, obviously, um, the, the work of Joel Molinax has, has led to opportunities for myself, for you. Um, and the opportunity that's in front of us is getting to talk about the Grizzlies. Now, you, you've done this for five years. So you really have you know, been through a, a big experience with the Grizzlies, almost a complete 360 uh, when it comes from, from the end of the grit and grind area, going through the struggles that we have over the past two seasons. And now in such a short time frame, almost unexpectedly, you know, really a, a reboot that this franchise desperately needed and that they've really gotten right. So, so let's get into that. You know, I asked okay. Jordan the same question, but, but the thing that I'll ask is this. How surprising has this transformation over the past six months been? And how excited are you? How 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 confident are you in this new front office and in this franchise through the moves that they made? I want to say it's an unreal feeling. You know, you come into an off season, it's so pivotal. You know, last season, last off season was you know pivotal as well. Um, they nailed the Jaron Jackson uh, draft pick, uh, and then this off season, you know, you get a completely uh, brand new front office you get a brand new head coach it's his first year head coaching you get guys in a front office that this is their first time really taking control of a you know a franchise and you know Tayshaun Prince and Zach Kleiman so they've nailed everything this offseason um, you have to you have to contain your excitement in order to really enjoy the reboot process you know what I mean um, you can't you can't go into year one expecting this team to go 40 45 wins and Make the playoffs, you know. Um, you got to contain that excitement because that's what—that's the fun part about it. So you can be around when this team, when you see Jai and Jaron making those those um, steps throughout the the next few years to, you know, make this team a playoff team. So it's it, it's really going to be fun to watch over the next few years. I'm super excited, man. You wrote a piece for Grizzly Bear Blues today talking about the win expectations for the Grizzlies this year, and it, and you hit on a lot of good points. 
Last year, the Grizzlies had 33 wins. Of course, we know that something that propelled that was a a very unexpected start to the season. One in which, you know, a a quarter of the way through the season, the Grizzlies were literally at the top of the Western Conference. Obviously, after that, the bottom fell out. You know, we wound up with 33 wins. This year, it's been set at 25, you know, um, you know, and a half wins. And you, you stated you felt there was realistic, there was a realistic hope um, that, that that we could get that. Jordan, if we are to exceed 25 wins, who do you feel are the most, the two most important players to get us there? Who really would need to take a step forward to be able to help us get over that 25 win mark? I think you you bet and in this article I was betting on the two corner future cornerstones of this team and John Morant and Jaron Jackson. It's obvious they're going to have to. It's pretty clear that they're the two best players on this team day one, in terms of how they can impact the game. You know, um, you know you got Jonas Valanciunas. Um, you've got several different several different pieces. I, I threw in there DeAnthony Melton. Um, he's going to be a guy that's going to be an, a really big X, X factor on this team every night. Um, Josh Jackson, we don't know what's happening there. Um, the Andre Iguodala thing, you just don't know what's happening. So I can't really place a bet there. Um, but Dylan Brooks is a guy that I'm really expecting to hit that 15 point per game mark. You know, if he's healthy and everything's looking right, and if, if he adapts like he was supposed to last year, um, he showed a lot of promise last year before the injury. So. I'm super excited for that 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 core three on the Grizzlies roster of Dylan, the, the young core, uh, John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Dylan Brooks. So then, when we're looking at you know the success next year, you know I think that you know uh, with all the excitement, there are people who are saying, you know, especially with the summer lead success of Brandon Clark, oh, you know we may be a dark horse playoff team. I think that me and you and many you know others who write about the Grizzlies probably <laughs> don't share that, but. Talking about tangible um, results, obviously wins are the easiest way to to really gouge where a team is. Statistics Mm -hmm. are easy to gouge where a team is. Brandon, talk about that a little bit. Talk about when we go into next season, even though the tangible statistics, the tangible numbers may not be there, talk about how fans could still – Understand that we are improving. Understand that it is different going forward now than it was over the past two seasons. How can fans separate while the tangible statistics may not be that promising, the development could be? Well, the last two years, we kind of tried to ride a wave that had already died, um, you know, and trying to ride the Mike Conley and Mark Gasol, the, the, the two guys. Um, they never really, really could get it going. So basically, there was a lot of Words that were said, you know, they they still wanted to win. So the last two years were basically a lot of broken promises and things that didn't come to fruition, um, which is unfortunate. But at the same time, it's sort of this this nice rebuild. You know, you look at John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. Those are two easy guys you can watch every night and and just just look at their progression from night in and night out. And you can even throw in Brandon Clark to that. You know, obviously Brandon Clark's not going to start. But you can watch his progression under Jonas Valanciunas and, and just watch how he, he gets better every single night. Um, and th- the same goes for Dylan Brooks. Even, you know, Dylan's in year three. And the list goes on. This team is so young. So to, to watch who they keep throughout this rebuild, it, it's going to be pretty cool because you can honestly, you can bet through each offseason, you know, the Memphis should keep this guy. 
because that's going to get them to the playoffs. So Memphis should keep this guy. You know, whichever, whatever situation it is, if you follow the team, it's pretty fun each offseason, especially the way the NBA is laid out and how news breaks and everything. It's fun to play that game in your head. You know, I think they should do this or I think they should do this. And in terms of, you know, you know, like um, gauging wins and losses and that type of thing, it's all about progression, like you were talking about. You know, if you see if you see the guy progressing, um, it, it's pretty cool to watch. Now, the front office is basically basically giving us everything we need to see in terms of rebu- rebuilding around that core that they've got now. So it's, it's just going to be fun to watch. You know, year one's obviously going to be the first year, and nothing's promised, nothing's expected, and, and a lot of things are unexpected. So. It, 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 it could go either way. You know, I, I think they can win more than 25 games. So, so Brandon, talking about the specific players themselves, you know, we we're talking about progression. You mentioned Jaw and Jaron. You know where they mm-hmm. are as commodities right now, as players right now. Obviously, Jaw with his rise as a sophomore this past season in college basketball, Jaron in his rookie year. Give me one area for both players where you would really like to see them improve that could even lead to people raising their ceilings, you know, raising their opinion of both Jaron and Jaw. Where do you think both players can improve? In what area could they improve, you know, pretty quickly that if they did that, you know, people would, would kind of open people's eyes like, okay, these guys are even better than I thought. An area for John, an area, an area for Jaron. Well, with Jaw, a lot of people talked about his turnover ratio in college. But, I mean, if you look at a lot of what he did in college, especially since I was so close to Murray State, you know, I followed them, I followed job pretty well even before we landed the number two pick. I was like, you know, what if Memphis could land him? Um, but a lot of people talked about his turnover issue. You know, when a guy is on a team that is less than – what's the word I'm looking for, Sean? Less than – throw it out there. The I'm Murray not sure State was just less than Murray State was just less than their competition. Mid major, mid major. So when Moran is forced to take that team to the next level, he's obviously forcing a lot of things, and that's not a bad thing because he's obviously going up there every night and fighting. Um, but a lot of those turnovers are forced. Um, John Moran's going to be playing on an NBA team with Jaron Jackson Jr., Dylan Brooks. There's a lot of really good talent out there on the floor with him on his team now. Um, he's not going to be forced to to make a lot of the bad passes that he made. And and a lot of the good passes were overlooked by a lot of those turnovers. Um, so John Morant's obviously on a, a way better team now. So that turnover ratio will drop easily. Another thing for me with Ja would possibly be his aggressiveness just shooting the ball. Um, because he's a, he's a guard that tends to pass the ball a lot. Um, so obviously seeing Morant, you know, shoot the ball a little bit more and get his um, mid-range to three-point shot down would be big. Um, with with Jaron, moving on to Jaron, Jaron is going to be keeping his hands vertical on defense. Obviously, last season he started, I remember just like it was yesterday, um, his debut against Houston down in Birmingham last year. Um, I remember he, he even talked about this. Uh, the Houston Rockets bench kept calling him out, you know, switch switch to Jaron, you know, and James Harden and Chris Paul got him in foul trouble easily. And it just – it easily it, it just progressed throughout the season to where we could never see Jaron in like a 40-minute 40, 40 game, you know. it was it, and, and a lot of other things contributed to that. But one thing with Jaron is going to have to be 
staying out of foul trouble, and then also just offensive awareness. So I think I think they can take those steps as, with Jaron in year two and John year one. So when we look at the Grizzlies roster setup, obviously you've got John, Jaron, Jonas, um, and then you've got you know other players that either could start or will be on the bench: Kyle Anderson, Dylan Brooks, Bruno Caboclo, uh, Jay Crowder, Brandon Clark, you know Tyus Jones. The thing that I'll say is is that you know out of nine or ten guys, five of them are going to be starting, but four or five more are going to make up the second unit. You know, in my opinion, it probably uh, could be um, Jones, Brooks. Um, uh, uh, I don't really, Caboclo and Clark uh, really could be the, the, the off-the-bench unit. Do you mm-hmm. see immediately the Grizzlies bench potentially being an advantage that can keep them in a lot of games, at least a lot more games than people expect going into next year? And that, 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 that's actually a really good point because if, if Kyle Anderson is their guard off the bench, he's not a guard, but you understand he's a ball handler. Um, he can lead that second unit really well, especially being a veteran. Um, you know, having a good ball handler out there, I think that Memphis has a better bench than about 50% of other teams' benches. So if you can outscore a team's bench, then that gives you a really good chance, uh, especially in an NBA game. That's a, that's a stat that's really overlooked. So that's a great point. And then, Brandon, leaving the court for a second, you know, the thing about it is is that obviously – the construction of the Grizzlies front office is, is focused on some things. You know, we, we've seen some experience find Tayshaun Prince, Richard Cho, um, um, th- other folks involved. But in general, you know, Jason Wexler, Zach Kleiman, you know, um, Taylor Jenkins, Dave McClure, those guys are, are, are very young, talented minds. And now Niall Ivey mm-hmm. coming in from Notre Dame potentially, you know, obviously with her being a, a female, you know, coach. It seems Absolutely. like the Grizzlies have – it, it, it seems like the Grizzlies have kind of, you know, said, you know, screw experience. We want the, uh, diversity. We want talent. What is your overall impression of especially the coaching staff? And, and do you feel – what are you looking from them? Do you feel it's important to focus on their development as well as the source of, you know, taking us to the next level um, in our rebuild? I've been going young, especially, you know, since the roster so young. Um, you've got a lot of guys, especially uh, it starts with the head coach Taylor Jenkins, and you can even say the front office. You know, Kleiman's in the lower thirties, and he's taking over a front office, and that's pretty cool. You know, especially with you know, it it all starts, and and it's just going to develop. You know, this is how rebuild usually happens for the most part. Um, Taylor Jenkins, he, he specializes in develop development. Um, the Ivy from Notre Dame, she specializes in development. There's a ton of things that we, we as Grizzlies fans, and Sean, you can speak on this, we haven't seen a young guy come out of the draft, and now we have two guys, Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., develop into star potential in years, especially since grit and grind, you know, that type of thing. So now to see it finally happen is, is absolutely awesome. And you've got a lot of guys who aren't afraid to ask opinions, especially with Kleiman, who's you know known for being a lawyer. You've got Tayshawn Prince, who's the basketball mind. Those two heads, those two minds come together. You see what's happened so far. So it's it's going to be really, it's going to work out really well if everything continues to fall into place. Do you think it's a stretch, Brandon, and all the guys that have played for the Grizzlies? Um, do you think it's a stretch to call Clark? 
Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. I, I've, I've been on record as saying multiple times I think that Jaron Jackson Jr. is the best natural talent the Grizzlies have ever had. Do you feel that those three guys could be three of the top ten natural best natural talents that have ever played on a Grizzlies roster? Well, that's hands down. Um, yeah, hands yeah. down. Because I mean, the hype surrounding this team, and they're not going to win a lot of games, but you go, you pay to go see talent. Um, these guys are naturally talented, and and you're looking at two guys. Well, Brandon Clark played in summer league, but against NBA competition, I expect Clark to be not dominant, but hold his own day one. And the same with John Morant. You know, John Morant's basketball IQ is ridiculous. I mean, we're we're making pr- predictions on this guy before he even steps on the court, and and it's a comfortable prediction. You know, you know he's going to go out there, and you know he's going to you know, average 10 assists. You don't know what his points are going to be, but you know he's going to help the team out. He's going to be a dominant point guard. And that that's really cool. To, and that, that's a natural talent because we haven't seen him do it on that stage. And we're comfortable with saying that. And the same with Clark and the same with Jack, Jaron Jackson before he even stepped on the court. You know, these guys are super natural talented. And, you know, they're, they're only going to get better, which, and, and like I said earlier, if you contain that excitement as a Grizzlies fan, it's going to pay off for us in the end. And again, we're wrapping up with Brandon Smart, one of the wonderful new talents over at Grizzly Bear Blues. He had an article out today uh, talking about the uh, the Grizzlies' uh, uh, 2020 expectations on record of saying he feels that they could exceed expectations. In fact, Brandon will be glad to bet $7,500 of his own money <laughs> to anybody that tweets him. No, I'm just kidding about that. Um, Brandon, just <laughs> question um as as we wrap up this portion of the 3D podcast I asked Jordan this question and I and I think that it's it's fun to get the different perspectives of this one of the key okay. things about is keeping the fans engaged and I feel like mm-hmm. that the attitudes the personalities of John Jaron their interaction on social media even with fans they just have magnetic personalities do you feel that's just as critical in seeing how this thing rebuilds as their success on the actual court Absolutely. And, and you saw that connection before John was even drafted. Um, in, in terms of watching the maturity, and it all starts with Jaren because it, uh, it's only one year, but he's played in the NBA. You know, it all starts with Jaren only because he's, he's got that taste in his mouth of what the NBA is like. Um, watching Jaren go from serious, are, are we talking in terms of how they handle losses and that type of thing? Or are we talking about just watching them grow up together? And just their, their engaging personalities, just how much fun they're having. You know, yes, even in losses, but in, overall, just how much fun they're having. This might be, and I'm going to get a lot of criticism for this, but it, it's early. But I think it, it might be one of the best duos the Grizzlies have had in terms of how they mesh off the court. If they mesh on the court, oh, my goodness. They already mesh really well off the court. They're hilarious. They're They're absolutely hilarious to watch. Uh, the way they interact on Twitter and everything. I mean, and Twitter's the platform everybody uses now. So everybody loves to watch that interaction because if they're interacting on Twitter, you know that they're interacting in the locker room. You know, they're getting together to work out. You know, they're, they're, they're doing all these things to get better. That doesn't necessarily mean they're doing those things, you know, what you're working out, that type of thing, which obviously they are. But in your, in your fan, fandom mind, you think, oh my goodness, they're clicking before the season even starts. As the season progresses, wins and losses determine everything. So even if they are interacting on Twitter, it, you know, if losses come and, you know, side comments are made, which I don't think will happen, but that, that's the only way I, I see this going south. 
And that's the thing that I'll say as well. I just think it's awesome that, you know, for a duo like Mark and Mike, who had such respect and, you know, such, you know, such a good, such a fraternal, you know, relationship, a good brotherhood between them and their interaction with the fans, to see that instantly replaced with something similar in terms of how John and Jaron get along and how they get along with fans, I think that was that right there may have been the mm-hmm. biggest success of the Grizzlies putting this roster together was the relationship between their two cornerstones. Brandon, is there anything else you want to share with us uh, as, as we uh, sign off on this edition of the 3 and D podcast? I can't wait till the next time you let me come on, man. This was actually really fun. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, man, I, I hope that it, I certainly hope that it's sometime soon. We, we, I can tell why uh, you are the talent that you are. Again, Brandon Smart, one of the new young writers over at Grizzly Bear Blues, a wonderful talent. Um, great to talk with him, and I look forward to your work, Brandon. If you hold on with us uh, once uh, we're done with this, um, I'll talk with you for a few more minutes. Again, my name is Sean Coleman. Justin Lewis will be back with us here over the next few weeks um, as we transfer over to uh, the Grizzly Bear Blues site. Uh, more details to come on that in the future. But again, my name is Sean Coleman for Brandon Smart. Thanks so much for joining us here on the 3 and D Podcast. <laughs>